podcasting live from occupied Tongwa land in Long Beach, California. This is Wait, Why Am I Talking Podcast? Long Beach local news with a socialist twist. My name's Jordan, and this is my comrade Miles. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Oh, <laughs> you're supposed to ask me questions, Sorry, Jordan. It's weird. It's, it's weird because uh, first podcast doing, in person. Yeah, we started doing this podcast over a year ago in our houses. Uh, and this is the first time we've recorded together, so I'm not used to making direct eye contact with Miles. <laughs> I ask him how he's doing. <laughs> what you been up to, Miles? Um, I'm doing well. Uh, I am applying to jobs. Currently unemployed. Still unemployed. Um, been hitting up local actions. Some, you know, everything that happened in terms of the Israeli invasion of Palestine. So went to local action here in Los Angeles. Still doing mutual aid. It's been right. a year and two or three months. Wow. So, geez, doing it has been a long time. Well, I'm glad you're finally going to have value again to the capitalists um, if you get a job. Hey. Not the protest, though. That's, that's my lot in life, <laughs> my goal. I love adding value. I also have my comrade uh, Vic here. Vic, how you been doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Just chilling, uh, taking a step back from organizing, just been working. Working on a, like this collective labor project. It's going to be like eight weeks, five days a week. I've been doing my freelance work in between that, but looking forward to get back into organizing and doing some of that. So I'm good. I'm so, good. What, what about uh, what about you, Jordan? How you, how you oh doing? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. I've actually started to go out and do stuff again, which is a weird experience. Like went to the arcade yesterday, stuff like that. Um, went to the car the We'll talk about it later, but the substantial remodel car caravan. So it's been pretty good. An important part, it was your birthday. And it was my birthday. birthday. Thank you. Uh, Speaking of the car caravan, so to give you a bit of an idea, the Long Beach uh, Tenants Union for many years has been asking for this substantial model loophole to be removed. From the Just Cause Eviction. Right. uh, So what is that? Yeah, so just cause, just cause eviction is the idea that um, there needs to be thresholds for people to be evicted that are based upon reasonable, reasonable action that they've taken, like maybe destroying part of the property. Um, basically, you can't just get evicted for no, no reason, right? right. Like I, if I'm a landlord, I can't just be like, oh, well, I want to raise the rent, so get out of here. You're tossed. Um, so Long Beach does have a substantial cause or just cause eviction ordinance, but there is a uh, substantial remodel loophole, which is problematic for a host of reasons. Yeah, so that's why we did the caravan. Um, I gotta say, there's been a lot of caravans since, uh, not to take credit or anything, but I think uh, us and DSA Long Beach were the first people to do it in Long Beach. We copied the idea from Portland when the pandemic started. Cancel rent car caravan way back. Cancel rent. Um, I mean, <laughs> I remember how many posters we stuck on Vic's van. <laughs> um, but I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like not many people have really improved on that formula since, but I feel like this one did. This one did. And, and a little bit more context about, around this substantial remodel is really like one of the big issues with it is it provides a loophole for slumlords who haven't done anything to improve the habitability conditions of their properties for years, potentially yeah. even longer. Um, it allows those landlords to just be even more scummy and evict all these people who've been living there who are enjoying rent uh, that even isn't even that cheap, but... Um, they're enjoying rent at a, at a rate that's cheaper than market price. And if they can evict them, they can raise that rent up to market price instead of having someone in there who enjoys the state-based um, rent control, which is only a few percent each year. So like, like that's, that's like one of the big cruxes of how we're evaluating that this loophole is being exploited by landlords. Yeah, and it's fucked up because I got kicked out that way. And I just got to... St- 30-day notice to pay, not even to pay a quit, just to quit. Right, because you can't pay. Exactly. There's right. nothing, there's no, like, recourse for it. So basically, I did my research. I was like, oh, I'm going to fight this. Went on Google, <laughs> went to the California Code, 
and then realize like, yeah, they could just do this. There's no recourse whatsoever. I just have to leave. And that's why I'm in this apartment where I'm at now. How long ago was that? Two this was like three, uh, now going on four years because I'm entering my third year here. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh -huh. you know, I've been talking to people about this. It's like the idea of the precarity of anyone in this country who is working class, even property owners who don't like rent and don't have enough money to rent. Like even if you own a house and have a mortgage, right? But especially if you're a renter, you can just be like kicked out of your home within 30 days. You're expected to move across the country to find better jobs. Oh, get a job? Yeah. Just get a job? Why don't I strap up my job helmet and squeeze down into a job cannon and fire off at the job land? I mean, I was just talking to someone about it. They were like, why don't people just move to Utah? And then we looked at the rents in Utah and I'm like, yeah, the rents are going up because everyone moved to Utah. That already happened. And Texas, for example. Yeah, just the grinding of the middle class, whatever is left of the middle class, because who else could afford those homes? Right. I mean, right? You can't buy a home, obviously, now in Long Beach, because we're priced out of that, so everybody rents. It's a majority rent to city, obviously. Mm -hmm. And to know that you can't have like stability long term because at the whim of some capitalist, you could just be kicked out of your spot. Again, that like, slow burn of anxiety and exploitation is always hanging over you. And right. some people may not express it in those terms, but they know the feeling. You know, my right. neighbors knew, it was like, oh, I told my neighbors exactly what happened. And they were just like, oh, so maybe I just have to kiss the capitalist ass, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And do I gotta like placate more? And like, what the fuck, dude? Right, right, right. Well, like, yeah, what are they gonna do, you know? Well, the risk of being kicked out of your house is just so large. Like people can't typically, it's, it can be so debilitating and damaging to you and your family. So it's like, yeah, okay, what is my recourse? Well, I'm just going to like shut up and not complain, uh, kiss, the, kiss the ass of the landlord, uh, you know, suck up to them. Right. But, well, but I mean like that, unfortunately, you know, that's, that's what capitalism wants, right? It wants us to all be so alienated that we're like, oh, let's just take this perspective that's least risky when really like the only way to get more security is to collaboratively risk more. Um, and th that's actually something that's really interesting about, maybe not interesting, but inspiring and encouraging about a lot of people who have been organizing resistance to um, this loophole, this substantial remodel loop loophole. Well, I mean, of course, like most organizing opportunities as a flashpoint, there's like three buildings under the same management company that are all being evicted. Um, a lot of people. Uh, fuck you, just, Brad. Yeah, fuck you, Brad. Well, they will. Ah, it's fucking Brad. It's the yeah, Brad guy. Brad. Ah. There's this dude named Brad whose like parents are rich who like bought <laughs> his way into this like management company. He got or fired, something. or he left. He left. Yeah, yeah. He's oh. Brad's no longer the face of. Uh, I guess Daddy decided that it was catalyst. too messy. Yeah, yeah, but but the management company is still proceeding with kicking everyone right. out. They're still doing the same thing anyway. Yeah, he's just a figurehead, but. And, and once they started organizing, there were retaliatory measures taken. They got rid of the security door to yep. some of the properties. They, got, they took out the lighting. So, you know, these, these are bastards. You know, these are, these are terrible, terrible, cold-blooded landlords. Um, but these tenants have, like, not given up. They're just like, oh, fuck yeah. it, dude. Like, here's the thing. They have, almost have nothing to lose on some level. They have a lot to lose with their house, but it's like, if they cooperate, they get evicted. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. like... If they cooperate, yeah, they get evicted. You know, it's like... Okay, I'm. I the worst I can do is get evicted anyway, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it was honestly like that caravan was wild. We had a lot of people. We had like twenty cars, uh, very well organized. Folks on bikes. Miles was on a bike. Um, I don't know. I felt like it just went like way better than any other we've ever done before. For those who aren't familiar, what do the bikes do in a car caravan? Right. Yeah. So um, bikes will facilitate the car caravan in such a way that um, people don't get become as separated, as well as uh, people on bikes will be sort of uh, de-escalators when a car caravan does stop. And I, I, th I agree with Jordan. I think that this car caravan, while it isn't as large as some of the caravans that we've been a part of, it was really, really effective and well done. And I think in part uh, due to targets and target locations and sort of ideas behind, okay, yeah, we're taking a caravan, but, you know, we're going to be at a spot. Let's just get out and be on foot, too. Um, and I think, I think that was really valuable because in Long Beach, where, 
you know, the people who control the levers of power, they're not concentrated. They're spread out among a pretty large geographic area. Taking vehicles to those areas can allow us to, yeah, call out a few people at once on the same day. Ah, that's pretty dope. So people came out and it was cool. Copy that. We just, I didn't even know, but we were like stopping at council members' houses and one point made a massive fucking traffic jam, which was perfect. I mean, right. Like, to me, that's effective for what a car camera is trying to do. You know, like, you really get the neighbors to notice you. And for the most part, they're pretty... Folks are like, yeah, I don't want to be evicted. You know? Yeah, a lot of people were sympathetic. Um, and yeah, I want to actually shout out now uh, Long Beach Tenants Union. If you're a tenant in Long Beach, join the Long Beach Tenants Union. Look them up, Instagram. Uh, we, need, we need more syndicalism and tenant power, for sure. And closing substantial remodel will help everybody. Because then you're not going to get kicked out because your landlord just didn't take care of habitability issues for four years. Yeah, and then they are quote-unquote remodeling, right? All right, I'll put some links in the show notes for Long Beach Tennessee. What else we got? What else we got? I feel like I'm running the ship, running the recorder over here. Like I'm we're, we're making, poor Vic, this is our first in person, and poor Vic has to, he's been working, like, every day Literally for, like, working. two months. And we're, like, at his house, he's like, oh, I feel like I'm at work again. I gotta set up all these lavalier mics, and so... My respect to Vic for keeping our audio better than 90% of podcasts. Uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> the final mix. So the next thing we wanted to touch on a little bit was, well, there kind of are no updates. This is the problem about the Long Beach Convention Center. So in our last episode, we went into all the details about why it's bad how this happened, who's organizing against it. Uh, Miles, do you want to give us like a quick summary of what's happened since then? Sure. Um, you know, I don't know all the details about what, what's happened since then, but I think uh, one of the main requests of the people organizing in coalition was um, access and the ability to observe. And I think they've been successful that in that immigrant defenders uh, an attorney with Immigrant Defenders uh, can and uh, access and does have, have access. However, I believe they're restricted behind an NDA. So what? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, that's why they gave them access, right? It's like okay, you can so see you what's going on, shit. but yeah, can't if, talk about. If, it. if if I'm not mistaken, yeah, the, there's apparently an NDA behind their ability to to observe. So. It's like, we don't want to just do direct action for direct action's sake, but like, I don't understand. This is, you sending in an observer and stuff, this is just going to be another point on the political resume for all the people who voted for this. They'll oh, be yeah. like, look how great this, the mayor was just tweeting yesterday, we've, we've reunited 600 kids or whatever bullshit. Like, like we're just going to let this go completely on channel. It's just as crazy to me. It's the kids in cages being brought straight to the fucking convention center. And all of a sudden, it's okay with every Democrat who's in power in Long Beach. And that's fucking so... I don't even know what to say about it. Like, it's been weeks now, and there's no change. We're opening up more, talking about the Pride Parade now. Things are moving along, and those kids are just going to be there. Happy, supposedly. That's, they love being in the big jail. That's gross, man. Like, I don't get it. Dude... I'll bet you any amount of money right now they're not going to meet the August deadline. There's no fucking not. way. Of course not. We, come on, There's man. There's thousands of we kids showing up at the border. The first time we said it. The numbers, like, of course not. In Texas, they were supposed to be closed. They're still open now. And I, I, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen now. The city council is going to kick a can out of the road and be like, well, it's, you gotta, don't you support these kids? Like, it's going to be the same. We're just going to do this every three months for, like, probably, like, years. Right, Until, right. you know, either the Biden administration finishes the wall, which they're trying to do, or, uh, I don't know, we just do uh, what they do in that movie Triple X, where they just have the drones uh, patrolling the border that shoot missiles at you, you know? Gosh. What happened to them? Fighter drones. Anything that moves is shot on sight. Now we're in the zone. It's 10 miles to the DMZ. It, and one of the things, I think, you, you said this to me a while back, Jordan, but... Um, it's like a window for really influencing the discourse with actual direct action. It closed. It closed in a big way. And now it's like, oh, we can do that. But it's been so normalized, the concept that it's okay to have this detention center in Long Beach, that, that it's, it's like, okay, well, 
you know, the point at which we really could have affected discourse more easily, it's passed. It's passed to a very large degree. And, and like, I don't personally think that we couldn't affect discourse, but like, we're definitely not going to do it under our current strategy paradigm. Well, so some folks did go out though, like, uh, well, we talked last time about, um, I think a lot of some uh, native groups did, but a group called Binding Needs Necessary went out there. What What's their deal? I don't know much about them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know too much about them either, but um, they're certainly going down to the convention center uh, to directly protest and at they least voice... around us, at least. I, I mean, yeah, they're at least going to do direct action. They're, they're trying to materially affect things. I mean, I don't, I don't know that they have, like, a really long-term strategy and, like, tactical approach, um, which, I mean, you know... But... That, that 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 can be true. That can be good and bad, but at least they're doing something. It all builds on itself, though. Like to be like, all right, like what you said about the analysis of the flashpoint, and at the flashpoint is when it's a fine line of trying to like you know co-opt a movement or trying to hop on it. But let's be real, there's energy out there around a certain issue, and it is as well as leftists. Either we jump on it or we don't, and if we do, we do it in good faith and knowing that like our values will guide us because it doesn't matter because looking what happened last year with the uprisings and everything that like if we sit there and let other people dictate the discourse at the moment of the flashpoint then there is no catching up it's been a year later Nothing has changed, and all we have is like, well, we should have done this, we should have done that. And the same thing happened with the detention center. At some point, and by we, I'm talking about DSA Long Beach, it's just like, yeah, we're not stepping on toes, we're not indigenous, we're not 100% black, but yo, at these flashpoints, we should be at the forefront to be like, one, give us names, numbers, and emails to, so we could grow, and two, give us resources so we can make it happen. And then anyone says anything, it's like, yo, transparent. And we're democratic. And we'll stand on those values. I don't give a fuck. Anyone could ask us, what'd you do with the money? This is what we did. You know what I mean? Right. And we've been running mutual aid for like how long now? Right. And anybody, come ask us, yo, what do y'all do? This is what we do. The meetings are fucking open. Yeah. And that's how we operate. And, and I mean, you know, even, even regard, like, with this regard to growing DSA or, or the interest of DSA, like, look, we, we could have affected the discourse in such a significant way by, okay, you know, we don't want to go to the detention center. Why don't we just go to every single city council person's house, call them out to address why they voted to have a child concentration camp they in our city. I mean, it's make it a lot messier in August when it yeah. comes up for renewal. They're going to yeah. at least be, they'll be an issue as opposed to the current <laughs> situation where it's going to sail right the fuck through because nobody's calling them about it's it. Status quo. It's yeah. okay. They're getting right. nothing but recognition for this thing. Nobody's in the street telling them no. I mean, except for a few groups, but it really hasn't made enough of an impact, I don't think, to really... I mean, they don't give a shit when we mobilize thousands of people. A couple hundred people in sporadic organizations showing up at that convention center is not going to move things, you know? And again, to look back, because all we have is just recent events. Jackie Lacey got to go. That took, like, years of weekly direct actions. You know what I mean? So something like the detention center... They're not one-offs. You got to go out there and keep going out there and keep going out there and keep going out there. You know? That's how it gets done. And, like, again, that flashpoint moment to mobilize folks that keep going out there weekly, I think, has passed. Yeah. And it's also like you got to strike, not just you got to strike with the iron's hot, but everyone always talks about the long-term strategy, which I agree with. But at the same time, it's like, on some level, protests are for the people at the protests, right? Like, sure, you want to affect public discourse, but, like, if something like this happens and we perceive ourselves as so weak and so willing to go along that we won't even, like, show up, I mean, you know, half the reason you protest is just to fucking fire up your base, right? Yeah. To m maybe to make a phone call or not. Who knows? Like, whatever your goal is, right? That's what the tactic, that's the difference between tactics and strategy, right? But I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we are involved in a coalition, but apparently the coalition doesn't really want us to do much. Like, they're telling us to go and do research. And I just want to say, like, I, I think a lot of people join DSA because they don't want to bear witness to history. They want to be agents of history. And if we're just sitting here deferring all of our action or anything that we can do to other people, like, we're literally not being agents of history. We're not influencing history. So, uh, yeah, I don't... I, 
that to me is not attractive. It's not an attractive organizational model or, 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 or basis to, to operate on. Um, and yeah, so to me, you know, it was really upsetting. Everything around the detention center made me want to just stop organizing with DSA folks. But like, there's so many good people here, so many people that I have organized with and know are very passionate that like, I'm, st I'm still in it. I'm still in it. Yeah, I feels you, man. Like, I'm still in it too, and I'm in the same way. <clears throat> and at this point, it's like, I'm going to keep talking about it because it's the first thing I've seen in the first revolutionary spark I've seen in my lifetime was last summer. Mm. And to see how that has all played out and to know that, like, yo, there's no going back. You know, we've crossed a certain threshold. People know what it is. And after all that, all that labor, all that marching, the little things that we got, so that just proves how weak we are at the moment, mm. at people who have this type of thinking, who see the world the way we do. So with that being said, then yeah, it's just about awareness. We're just, everything is just about awareness and growing numbers and trying to get a critical mass. That's it. And to look what happened with the nurses union and CalCare, which is uh, California Medicare for all. Because they just lost the momentum and like didn't strike where the iron was hot and like nothing has happened and it's completely fallen apart again. Well, yeah, I, I want to chime in here because I think it's interesting because it, we're sort of in, at least with CNA and the CalCare thing and also with the detention center, um, you know, kids being imprisoned in the detention center. We're really talking about I think, I think we have a, sort of a crisis in our chapter between our identity as an organization doing things and what it means to be in a coalition space. Because mm. I look at our how we interacted with CalCare and it was sort of like, oh, there's these big players in our coalition and we should really follow in their footsteps because they're going to be able to push, push the needle, right? But I think what you're saying, Jordan, is so, is so critical because it's like, if we approach it that way, if they lose steam and they're like, no, we're not going to do this anymore, well, then we're, we're SOL. We're shit out of luck. Yeah, because yeah, we exactly. never planned to do anything independently. Yeah, and to because I was in some of those spaces, and the nurses were saying the right things. They were just like, yeah, we need to do X, Y, and Z. Some of it sounded radical, and they were, yeah, let's go do it. It just never happened. And, right. that, and when you're left with that, when they're saying the right things, and it just doesn't come to fruition... It doesn't matter if they were in good faith or not at that point. Right. Like it's right. either it happens or it doesn't. And even if we were to do something independently, it's CalCare. It's Medicare for all. We know it's popular. Right. So we don't not to say we don't need them, but if they're not gonna go down the road and follow through on what they say they were going to do, then what's the point of even being in coalition with them? Some some of my Criticisms are related to like having champions too. I think that strategies that are too dependent on having champions, like if the champion jumps ship, like they're like, oh well, you know, there goes the steam. You know to what be I mean? Clear, Miles is talking about a legislative champion, which is kind of a yeah. more traditional way of lobbying, which I've done before over CSU uh, tuition stuff. We we a lot of our lobbying was to find a champion for our proposed legislation, which also failed fucking miserably. <laughs> like it's not very effective. I, and I think, I think like looking at the Jackie Lacey campaign, like BLM didn't say we have this champion. They just looked at Jackie Lacey and they're like, you're going to go. Like you're out. Right. We don't care who it is, but you're going to go. And, and like admittedly, I think that there's, there's some issues with that approach because Gascon got in and it's like, well, Gascon isn't where we want to be. We're going to have to continue going on beyond that. But he was successful in getting rid of Lacey, Jackie Lacey. He was more successful than... Any of our Medicare for All or CalCare efforts have ever been. It affected material reality. To kind of switch gears a little bit, the, recently there was a Palestine, a pro-Palestine protest in LA we went to a few weeks ago. And to me, that's a good example. They've kept the pressure up for many years. Um, have not let it go, obvious for obvious reasons. Uh, they called this protest Nabka seventy three, which means the seventy three year seventy third year of the disaster. That's what they call the nineteen forty eight invasion by Israel, or what wasn't Israel at the time. Um, like that event, like had so much energy behind it. It made so much fucking waves. Not just that specific one; they were all over the country. But like that dominated the news cycle for a while. And I feel like 
in the discourse in a lot of liberals' minds. It really pushed them a little far down the path. I've never heard colonial discourse so much being spoken in mainstream media. Straight up making correlations between Israel colonizing Palestine. Yeah. And calling it as is. Something that I never thought mainstream media could see. And if it's there, how is it not here? They're getting it from here. You know what I mean? They're getting the term, how they understand colonialism is through American history. So they understand the project, what that means. And to me, I think that's a step in getting the next, that 12-year-old who's watching the news, open up to this type of discourse. Because when I was 12, listening to the news, it might as well have been Fox News watching local TV. Right, and I want to just point out, like the the actions around Palestine recently, you know, it's a flashpoint. Yeah, they were able to exactly. acknowledge what it was exactly. and then organize appropriately exactly. in response. Exactly. Um, whereas, you know, we I think that there were organizers in DSA, and we saw what was happening with the detention center. We're like, oh, this is, this is a flashpoint. Like, this is the place to really mobilize, you know, uh, popular opinion. To, to be against what the municipal government of Long Beach has, really de- exactly. has decided to do. Local, yeah, um, yeah. A local, yeah, it's a local mm-hmm. flashpoint. The thing is, like, the coalition of the Palestinian groups that did the protests in L.A., it was on Wilshire by the Federal Building, yeah. led by the Palestinian Youth Movement, who's been around for a long time. Um, they were able to get folks out there. It was thousands of people. Like, thousands yeah, of people showed up. I've literally people. never seen so many Palestinian flags. Like, we, we were driving there, and there were, like, people shooting by us with, like, a Jeeps and big-ass Palestinian flags. Like, you know, like, the redneck Blue Lives Matter style of, like, <laughs> flag on your car, but yeah, for yeah, Palestine. Yeah. Not to compare the two things, but just, it was, like, a great event. Like you say, I really feel like people like John Oliver now are talking about how Palestinians are suffering more. Does this affect the materiality on the ground in Palestine? No. But like you say, it's a colonial project. Our tax dollars literally fund that whole operation. So I'm not going to say it's going to happen overnight. But if we in America decide it stops, it stops. Ironically, what we do here on some level is more impactful than what the Palestinians. Because they have no choice. They go out and if they attack the Israel, they get bombed. If they don't attack Israel, they are under apartheid. They can't. They're locked in, dude. I mean, like, if they don't decide. attack Israel, they still get bombed. Exactly. That's my point. Uh, yeah, they're getting kicked out of their houses. People are showing up from Long Island saying, right. this is my house. The fuck out of here. Like, right. that shit is wild. That shit is yeah. absolutely wild. And to watch people say, oh, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, come on. Like, as if, because. They didn't pay right, right, right. Exactly. Right. If you don't stand against it, you're down for it, you right. know? And, and I don't actually think it's ironic that uh, the U.S. has such an uh, outsized effect, it can have such an outsized effect on the colonial project of Israel because we're the main imperialist power. Like, right. like when people talk about the U.S. as like the global police or whatever, really that's just a euphemism for, hey, we're the empire now. We have the largest military. We control the guns. We control the money. Like we have an outsized influence on everything. Language, so, culture. Language, culture, Hollywood. Right? right? So, so I mean, it's not ironic at all. It's intentional. Like, this is what, this is what happened after World War II when Britain passed the torch to us. Well, it's like, Zionists will always try to mire you down in, frankly, bullshit, in a lot of details and false facts and, like, talk about how complicated the conflict is. And not just this protest, but the Palestinian movement really cuts through that by the simple fact that it's like, no. Oh, sure, it is complicated, but it's the morality of it is simple. And everyone in America is qualified to speak on it because we literally fund it. It is our business. The amount of the billions we give could literally end homelessness in America. It's entirely our business. It's about as much of our business as like anything that happens in the States because it's entirely run by the US government, basically. Like you can't just sit there and be like, well, I pay my taxes to the military to be in Israel, but I don't really support it. Like I fucking support it if I pay my taxes to it. My conversation with President Netanyahu, I commended him for the decision to bring the current hostilities to a close within less than 11 days. I also emphasize what I've said throughout this conflict. The United States fully supports Israel's right to defend itself. 
Yeah. It's part of us. It's something that you have to own as an American. You know, you, you don't get to shy away from it and say, hey, I don't have an opinion on it. When cap when it comes to what's in your pocket supports it. That's it. Like, that's just the way the world goes. Material fucking factors. Right. And we're materially supporting Israel with the weapons, with the fucking capital, and with the, like, you know, the, the quote-unquote goodwill of the empire. And if you can't even rhetorically, like, admit that or, like... Exactly. Bat, say, like, I don't agree with that, you do support it. If you fund it with your taxes exactly. and you don't explicitly exactly. come out against it... There you like, go. I don't support Israel, but I say that. If I don't say yes. that, then, like, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Even me saying it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Silence yeah. is violence, right? <laughs> so, to just to circle back a little bit, on at the <laughs> protest itself, we started at the Federal Building in L.A., uh, and I didn't know we were going to do this. We marched... I thought that was where the Israeli consulate was. Turns out it's like a mile and a half to the west, out towards Hollywood. So we marched down there, and it was really good. I mean, the, the sheriffs were there with, like, um, grenade launchers, a LRAD, which is a weapon, uh, and razor wire. But other than that, things went really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were a ton of people, a lot of, lot of uh, energy. Um, it was interesting to see how... The organizers sort of held it all together with a rented vehicle. Um, yeah, with, they had one of those like platform trucks. Yeah, yeah, platform truck. It was pretty good. Sound was sound was decent. I think like still, I think better solutions to sound at actions needs to be figured out. But I, I mean, look, we were talking about the specifically the the project of colonialism in Palestine, but it's. There's obviously other theaters of war and empire that we're engaged in, like either by proxy or directly. And um, I don't know about you two. I'm, I think you're in a similar spot. But like the project of worker power is an international thing, yeah. and and it's hard. It's hard to figure out how we um, can foster those international relations when I like actively the government of the United States is literally destroying bases of worker power, like, like union busting. Well, you know, we went into Iraq, we completely destroyed cities in Iraq. That's destruction of whole societies, including worker power. And, and, um, yeah, it's enabled by the ability of uh, the freedom of movement of capital that's fostered by uh, the American gun. Yeah, this, but this is why we, we're doing this. You know yeah. what I mean? Awareness. And we're at the level of awareness to bring it to light and where we can make media, to share with other folks, to be like, hey, this is why we believe why we believe. And to give the people closest to us some ear beatings to know <laughs> what the hell is going on. No, and that's really what it's about. And it's about telling our friends and family and our close loved ones why this capitalistic project is fucked up. And hey, Palestine, look, that's why it's fucked up. Right. That's why it's fucked up. Right. Oh, George Floyd, yeah, that's why it's fucked up. Every single time. And using those flashpoints again and again because all we could do is raise awareness at this point in the project. Yeah. We are not there to pick up the guns and... Fuck the police, ACAB, let's topple the system. We're not there yet. But we can raise awareness. And like I said, collect emails. Let's grow the org. Grow whatever org that you're into. Grow it. And keep pushing. That's about it. Like That's all we could do, in my opinion, at the moment. Yeah. You know? I, I want to chime in two points. We were talking about like capitalism and colonialism and imperialism and a little bit of Maybe if if might feel like there's some conflation there, but if we look at the ventures of colonialism, like that's those are capitalist ventures. A lot of the conquistadors, oh, yeah. they're in debt. Yeah. Um, so really, from my perspective, you can't divorce the system of capitalism and colonialism and and imperialism. They're all they're all part of the same interlocking system, and they're all they're all being used. They're all being used uh, to maintain a global system of capital. Well, it's, you know, I think it, Palestine is a great microcosm, especially even locally in Long Beach and L.A. is a great, and, it, you know, places like California State University Long Beach is a great microcosm of the left uh, movement almost because for many years that was a very lonely fight. What uh, was the fight? What was the fight? Well, at CSU Long Beach, uh, <laughs> Miles and I were involved in voting to divest from Israel or companies who support the occupation. That was a massive battle. 
I won't go into the details, but long story short, we were getting slammed on pretty hard from a lot of different angles. IDF soldiers came and screamed at us. Like, we, it was a pretty unpopular opinion, basically, to hold. Not, the majority of people really weren't that plugged in on campus. Now I feel like most people in America, not everybody, of course, but a lot of people are turning around and being like, this isn't right. I can relate it to my life in these ways. I don't know. It just, it just feels like such a seismic shift from like five years ago. Yeah. Not to say that's going to fix it, but that to me is progress. Like, like Vic says, if it's, about, if it's an information game and a mobilizing people game, it's a lot better than where we were. I think there's a critical piece of information too, which is the South African BDS movement. Like, that's a pretty big movement in terms of uh, the Israeli occupation and colonialization of Palestine, is that a lot of the refrain um, from pro-Palestinian voices is, hey, let's, let's do another BDS campaign, because literally this is apartheid. We have another successful example of this strategy working, historically. Um, I, think, I think that's pretty crucial. I think it's a, it's a very, not positive, but it's, it's something... It's something that I think can resonate with a lot of people because most people are in the U.S. have a very popular opinion of the BDS movement uh, in terms of South Africa. Uh, recently, Abby Martin just won her lawsuit. The Supreme Court of Georgia said it's against um, freedom of speech. She was supposed to give a speech to State University of Georgia. They wanted her to sign an anti-BDS document. She said no. She and they withdrew the contract. She sued and went to Georgia Supreme Court. And recently, in the past few days, they kicked it out to be like, no, like you can't do that. That's against literally against the Constitution. They declared it unconstitutional. So, for those who don't know, a lot of states have loyalty pledges to Israel that you cannot boycott, divest, or sanction them personally as an individual if you're going to receive any money, if you work for the state or get paid to speak. And that's just like inconceivable to me that that got struck down because those have been around for a while. They have not been questioned by the legal system. God. It took somebody, you know, to step up and to go through all the steps to see what could be done against it. And again, it goes to like these little incremental steps to shift the Overton window to get it to a certain place. Right, and she didn't sit there and be like, well, I, um, I don't really have an opinion, like, or um, this doesn't really concern me. It's like, it does. You're signing the document. Every American on some level is signing the document. A lot of us literally are signing that document, that loyalty pledge, but all of us are metaphorically doing it when we sign our taxes. Right, right. It goes boom, shock, a lock, stop. Drop and roll one. I'm ready to die for my plans like Rogue One. Stand up and be real. It's time for some action. Don't stand still with fear. Move and make it happen. As the empire strikes back, we resist with a passion. Like saber, white supremacists, plus 30 lashes. Violence is the lesson from history past the present. We wiped out a people, now they got casinos betting. I say we, cause I claim to be an American. You can't deny me. Obama's not a Kenyan. This confederacy was based on racism and secession. So speaking of mobilizing in um, ways that actual like poor people can do, um, I hear that there's going to be a people's assembly. What's up with that? Yeah, so um, conversations. I've had a lot of conversations with quite a few folks on an individual basis about the need for popular assemblies. So I don't know. I don't want to speak for my other potters, uh, Jordan and Vic, but me, I personally think that the like project of Republican democracy is patriarchal, hierarchical, uh, not particularly democratic. It like leans hard into the concept of philosopher kings, um, which is basically like, yeah, there should be a political class of people. And from my perspective, if you have a political class of people, well, I mean, you know, I'm sort of, uh, I'm in, in ways a, a communist, you know, I want, I want even distribution of power, right? Like even more so like potentially like leaning into anarchist, but I, you know, I believe in collective, collective action. So, you know, I've been trying to think about like, okay, in terms of our organizing and trying to cultivate a broader movement of working class people, what's, what's required? Well, we got to have some frank, honest discussion um, that permits, that it, or at least cultivates, permits, um, is more accessible to a broader base of decision making where the decision-making power is more broadly spread because as organizers like DSA 
we, we elect a steering committee. We technically, our popular assembly, the assembly of DSA is the ultimate decision-making body. But like, okay, how do we cultivate understanding and like broader agreement of action without actually having large conversations w within ourselves? So how is a people's assembly different? Is this just a DSA thing or like what, who's the audience? What, what is going to be happening there? Right. So, you know, I'm not, uh, in terms of uh, the audience, um, initially it's with DSA because I think like we're, we're a big 10 organization, right? So it's not like people come in and we all, all have the pol same political ideals. I think that most people come in and at the least they're like, I want to do something political. They're, they're tired of just being an observer. They actually want to be active and engage. I think that's uh, one commonality. But I, I'm just looking at it like in the past four years. There is a lot of projects and organizing campaigns that we went into, and, and I've found a lot of the time that decision-making falls into the hands of an elite group of people or the, or the main organizers. Um, and to me, I mean, it makes sense. Like, that, that's what happens. But the, the, so the question is, or the challenge is, and what I'm hoping really can come out of our popular assembly is, is less of this necessary elitism, right? Less of, less of this... We got to make decisions. We got to act now. We got to act with expediency. So who's who's going to do it? And then those people becoming like major uh, elitist structures within the institution. Um, and and I think a lot of people. This is my opinion. I think a lot of people want that because people come into DSA and they're always like, "Well, how do I get involved? What do I do? Where do I go and take action?" And it's like, well. That's not particularly transparent, but with hopefully popular assemblies where we're talking and coming to better, uh, you know, greater amounts of consensus on what we should be doing, it's like, well, what should I do? Well, go to the popular assembly. Why? Because we're going to come up with really like strong levels of support for collective decision as an organization. Um, and furthermore, you know, we've been talking about some of the criticisms that we have. I have a lot of criticisms and reflection on, on DSA and organizing. And I, I believe that a popular assembly can be a great venue to talk about shortcomings, talk about pitfalls, talk about um, different ways of, of doing things and experimenting with those, those strategies and tactics and approaches. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel you what you're saying about experimentation because uh, we haven't won socialism yet. We're still under the same oppression pre uprisings than post uprisings some of the same shit is still going on and nothing materially has changed so for us to keep acting and doing the same things is like that doesn't seem like it's a viable way to win so it's one part experimentation it's another part just seeing how what the people want by the people i mean it's hard for regular folks in Long Beach to access DSA than to come to a Zoom meeting. To be like, hey, here's a fucking flyer with a Zoom code. Show up. Yeah. As opposed to, what are those 40 people doing at the corner? They seem to be showing up every month over there. Yeah. What is going on? Wow, two months ago there was 10 people. Now there's 40 people. Right. Uh, maybe I should go walk down there and see what's going on. That, I think, is definitely a way to meet folks. And then it's strategic because like having a Zoom link, I could send that shit across the planet through something called the World Wide Web. But, that's a joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like with a flyer at a location in a park, consistent is like, oh, these fools show up here at this time every single month or bi-monthly or whatever the schedule may be. You know what I mean? And that, brings like folks in to a certain location and then it grows out from there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's yeah. a way to just bring it to the people and see if they want it. Because yeah. let's say we go out there and we're preaching yeah. it and everyone is like, no, get the fuck out of here. We yeah. don't want this here. Right. You right. know, we right. need to know that too. Hey, I want to just chime in real quick. There was a, a person that had joined DSA Long Beach a while back. And like one of their questions was like, well, where are we at on the street? And I think that's a really critical thing to say because the majority of our action has been in basically downtown Long Beach, District 2. DSA Long Beach covers multiple cities. And you know, if we're, if we're going to organizing activities that are catering or in the halls of power, you know, it, it's a valid question. Be like, where are you on the street? 
are you on the street? Are you, and, and I interpret that question of like, how are we interacting with a broader base of the population of Long Beach? You know, a larger, the larger segment of the working class. It's true. Yeah, without the working class, without that, there's nothing to be gained. There's no way we have pressure. Well, right. then we just become some other elitist. Exactly. Yeah, elitist profit, org. Basically. Uh -huh. yeah, I mean, yeah. that's an interesting way to think about it, Vic. I never quite thought about it like that, about... Um, we always talk about how like socialism is a concept that if you explain to most working class people, they'll get on board with. And long story short, the only way we win is through like the ninety nine percent majority. But we kind of have to test that. I mean, we do when we door knock, but like the great way to test that there is show up to a park every month. Yeah. Like, yeah. If the community is receptive, that's really good. I mean, that was the thing about the car caravan that I found so nice was that like people are like coming out of their houses and being like, "Fuck yeah, dude!" Like. Banging pots and pans together, like yeah, cheering us on. Like, exactly. That's yes. a sign. Yes. People aren't throwing fucking tomatoes at us. Uh -huh. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I remember you know? that. The pots and pans during the caravans along right. the way. It's yeah. crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like the other idea you mentioned of like switching the strategy is something I've been thinking about a lot of like, we tried all this. It's totally, it's made some progress, but it's like, obviously what we've been doing was great for what it was, but we cannot keep doing it. Did I ever tell you the definition? Of insanity. Like, people talk to me about doing certain strat. Like, I guess the convention center is a perfect example, right? It's like, you know, going to city council meetings or like you know, one action is not going to affect that fucking thing. We need something else. And I think the yeah. people's assemblies are a great way to figure out what that is. Because I, I certainly don't have the answer, but I'm not going to be doing any more public comment at city council meetings. And not just because I'm the only person ever gotten kicked out of one, which I'm very proud of that fact. <laughs> that's not why I won't go, but it's like it really illuminated me like, oh shit, they can just cut my mic off. Like, that's how pointless what I'm doing is, you know? Yeah, and I, I think like to talk a little bit more about at least what I'm hoping for the popular assembly is like, it's an opportunity for us to really share experience on a broader basis with more people because like not everyone is listening to this podcast, right? Yeah, and especially now that, quote-unquote, we're opening up things, right? Yeah. The capitalists have opened up the malls 100% capacity at right. fucking sporting events and all that jazz. So it's like, so hey, the exactly. So fuck it. We're, we're out it. there. We're doing it. Exactly. We're doing it. Right. So important question. It's, it's Juneteenth. Yeah, June 19th. June 19th. Uh, June 19th, Silverado Park on the west side of Long Beach. And then we're going to have a, a second one the week after that, June 26th, at Howden Park. And uh, the reason for this is because, at least for me, I'm hoping we go into this and we come out with very high standards of agreement in terms of action. Because that I, I think simple majority plus one is stupid. I'm going to be real. I know that we, we rely on it pretty hard for an, uh, coming to an agreement and then agreeing to take some action. But like, if we don't get a lot of people buying into things... You know, if we get 50% plus one, it's like, okay, I know that maybe 10% of the people that voted for something will be involved in trying to implement it. Tops. So from my perspective, like, we need to come up with, like, higher standards to hold ourselves to. And, you know, that's, that's something uh, probably a lot of people will disagree with. We're but. not there yet. Like, wait till we need, wait till we have 100 people trying yeah. to talk about something and decide. Then we could worry about standards. Yeah. But, like, again... We are not at a critical mass. We have Agreed. so little people ready and on board for our project and whatever we want to see happen until we reach that. And I was just saying the same thing in my Black Alliance for Peace uh, meeting. To be like, I hear what y'all saying that, yeah, we got points of unity. Yes, we are very radical. But yo, until we have numbers, we're just an elitist group. We're just a bunch of people right. who from a certain socioeconomical class. And I was like, yo, to be frank, we're probably, not all of us are just poor on this call, right? Straight up. Yeah. So look at the people on this call and look at what we're talking about and talking about like turning folks away already. Just to be like, hey, we need folks. We need yeah. regular folks to be down. They might not be the purest, but if you're willing to do work and willing, come in good faith, come on down. I want to clarify my point because it wasn't meant to be elitist i guess it's just a, a reflection on like the work that i've done and how effective it's been and what what i what i think is leads to more effective action but definitely one of the objectives that i have 
start with DSA, work out the kinks of like the actual logistics of what we're doing with a popular assembly. But then I hope every single time we go to a park, we have quarter sheets to hand out to people and we canvas that whole neighborhood before we do it. We're like, yo, come on out. We're having a popular assembly. There's gonna be music, there's gonna be food, there's gonna be debate, there's gonna be discussion. It's gonna be great, come on out. Yeah, we. that's what we're doing it to work out the methods and the models to recreate this. Cause I know y'all agree, whatever we do has to be like recreatable oh, yeah. and by others besides us. That's the only way it could sustain itself. Yeah, just like, you know, the car caravan idea kind of starting in Portland, like they obviously gave a pretty good template that spread to other folks. So, I mean, honestly, I think that's good to having uh, actually more people involved in more democracy and like Miles is saying, more uh, buy-in agreement. More buy -in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not, not that you're all going to start agreeing, but like the decisions that are made are like made as a group. I yeah. think yeah. It's a big think, lift, but I feel like it's the only real way to do something different than what we've done that I've heard. Yeah, exactly. I think I think the process of agreement is going to be hard. It, I mean, I mean Ooh, it's yeah. it's going to be difficult, but like, I mean, that's how you that's how you end up you know that's how you end up seeing like who's serious, who's serious to stay here long enough and struggle together. Because if we can't struggle together together to reach a point of of agreement around action, we're screwed. Like <laughs> we might fucked. as well not even try. Yeah, exactly. We're fucked if we can't do that. Yeah. I mean, there's historical press a lot of historical precedent of like more successful radical organizations like going through a lot of those pains of like implementing real democracy. You know, I have no delusions. This is gonna be slower, it's gonna be more difficult, but I mean we've tried the more expedient oriented way and we don't have too much to show for it. So I don't know that there's much to lose. So just to uh, make sure folks know, what is the call to action here? Like what are the dates and times that they can go to? Yeah, if, if you're listening to this and you want to engage in a, a popular like people's assembly in this experiment of direct democracy, uh, there's going to be two dates. The first date is Juneteenth at 3 p.m. at Silverado Park. And the second date will be June 26th at 3 p.m. at Howden Park. Both are in Long Beach. Will there be free hot dogs? There will uh, probably be free food of some sort. Mm. Right, okay. Saturdays? Those are Saturdays? Those are Saturdays. Cool. Those are Saturdays, cool. yeah. Well, Saturdays are for the boys and organizing, I guess. Um, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. This has been a great episode. Please don't forget to uh, like and subscribe on whatever platform you're on. I'm Jordan. I'm Miles. And I'm Vic. And don't forget to ask yourself, Wait, why, why am I talking? talking?